Well, we've been in a, a, a series we started last week talking about love and relationships. Now, I want to uh, put a disclaimer. I don't know if that's the right term off this off the start. This isn't just about marriage. This is about every relationship that you could possibly be in. If you are single, uh, every one of us, how many knows that life and the kingdom is made of relationships? Everything that we do, do y'all ever think about this? That when heaven came to earth, that's what Jesus prayed, right? He said, pray uh, that our Father, uh, how do we say that? Our, help me out. Okay, that's all we need to do. I just seen if you knew it. <laughs> so he said, when we pray, pray that the kingdom comes to earth to the earth. I shared with you last last week that we're real good at this. Verti- I think that's vertical, right? Up and down. And, and we love vertical. We really do. But vertical becomes a lot of time just about us. But it's the horizontal. That God is saying that we need to see in the earth. Now, I want you to think about when Jesus came. He spent 30 years in relationship. In a a parental relationship. He was in relationship with his siblings. He was in relationship with people of the land. Because the scripture went on to say that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature before God and before men. That was 30 years before he ever performed a miracle. Now think about that for a moment. See, vertical cries out for the miracle. And the miracle came. But the miracle had to enter into a relationship so that the miracles could manifest. Okay, just think about that for a little bit. We're talking about love and and relationships today. I put a subtitle on this entitled The Expression of Love. Last week, I'm not going to preach all of that, but I just do need to remind you of a couple of things that there, in our language of love, we just throw love around for everything. I love you, man. I love you, dude. I love you. We Christians are real good about that. We say, oh, I love you. You don't know more of what you're talking about than the man on the moon. It's just become our language. And we don't even realize that. Love has, in the Greek language, it has four different definitions. Or or it's manifested in four different ways. I shared that with you last week. There is the phileo kind of love, which is a friendship kind of love. And it's really based upon the idea of what we relate to. You know, if we don't relate around anything, we don't, well, I don't love you because I don't relate to what you're doing. But that's what brings relationships. Y'all, y'all hang with me. Y'all got to light, lighten up just a little bit. So, so there's that relational love. And then there's that, I, I don't know, I know I'm not pronouncing it right. It's called Storgi, S-T-O-R-G-E. This is the parental type of love. You can't help what family you were born into. 
You can't help the nationality that you are, the color of your skin. You can't help any of that stuff. But God put you into a family. And in this family, that's really a a kind of a guardian, a, a, a guardianship, a growing kind of love. You might be closer to your friends than you are to your own siblings. Very possible that that can happen. But it doesn't mean either one of them is wrong. It's just the kind of love that we're in. And then there's that Eros love. As we get into Valentine's Day, that's kind of everything that, you, you know, Cupid runs around in his little diaper with his bow and arrow, shooting arrows, hoping that we're all going to find, we're going to fall in love and we're going to be romantic and all of that. Really... Really, the, the, the Eros kind of love, it revolves around sensuality. It deals with our senses. Did you ever think that your senses, what you see, can stimulate you? What you smell can stimulate you. Uh, What you feel, somebody just touching you in a certain way can stimulate you. All of your senses. Why do you think chocolate strawberries are so good? Chocolate candy. All of that stuff because it's stimulating you. What about your hearing? Because it's speaking those, as some would say, those sweet nothing in your ears that make you melt. So there's the eros kind of love. But where God intends for us to live in, where he intends for us to live in, is in his agape, which means caring for somebody without expectation. Caring, caring for somebody without expectation. It also means a decision to meet their needs unconditionally. You know, sometimes we really hurt ourselves. We don't mean to. I know what we're looking for, but we don't mean to hurt one another, or especially among spouses or among, you know, when you've got a close relationship. Uh, will you tell me why you love me? Will you tell me why you married me? Will you tell me why? And here's the moment what happens. That can be a good thing, but it can also be a thing that gets you greatly in trouble. Because if what what you married them for isn't lining up right now, and you tell them something else, they are wounded and hurt, and they live with an expectancy that if I don't be that, or if I don't do that, then you'll not love me. Think about that for a moment. I don't know about you, but I'm twice the man I was when I got married at 18 years old. I put on a little weight is what I'm trying to say. My hair has grayed. My chest fell. I used to be buff, believe it or not. I used to could run. I used to could do all of the, I can't do that. Can anybody relate to me? So the moment all of that changes, but wait a minute, that's what you fell in love with. And that's what you embrace back there. Oh, you're the most beautiful thing on the earth. Well, what happens if something tragic happens that we don't look for and you're left in a scarless, a scar, a scarful mess? 
I remember the story of Dave Reaver. I don't know if anybody, any of you know him. Dave Reaver is a, 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 a Pentecostal preacher, but in the Vietnam War, Dave Reaver was severely wounded by a grenade, a phosphorus grenade that went off next to his head and left him with third-degree burns over the biggest part of his body. As he tells this story, he's in the water watching his skin float away. And I never will forget him telling the story of when they finally got him to a hospital, put him into a ward, severely burned. He called it the place. There were other crispy critters in there with him because they were all severely burned. He said, I watched some of the wives walk into the room where their husbands was, take off their ring and throw it on the bed and walk away. Now, I don't know why that would happen if they thought they wouldn't make it or they just couldn't deal with the severity of the wounds that was there. But one of the things that helped him survive was that his little wife walked into the room and saw him and reached down and kissed his little scarred face. That sustained him to get through one of the most horrible situations in the world. See, God loves us with agape. God loves us in the way without expectation, without condition, God just loves you and me. That is hard for us to embrace. That's why you need to understand what love is and how it works. The more I crawl into this, this thing could go on for months. It probably won't, but... I, I could talk about love for months and never conquer it. Pa Paul said it like this in Ephesians chapter 3. He said, I'm praying for you that you will understand the depth, the width, the height, the breadth of God's incredible love. And once you know the incredibleness of God's love and how much he loves you, then he says, now unto you. Now unto you is he able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think because of his great love. I want to tell you, we don't have race problems in our world. We don't have all the issues that we do. We think we know what the issue is, but when it real, really boils down to it, we've got one major heart issue of people needing to know and understand the love of God. That passes knowledge. It's supernatural. And I want to remind you that the kingdom and all of life operates off of relationships. We cannot do this without each other. That's why we keep stressing we are better together. That's why we are developing these life groups. I know we got a few things that we've got to adjust along this journey. But I want you to listen to me. It's not about the teaching as much as it is about us building a relationship that we can encourage, we can strengthen, we can build up, we can pray for one another. If you're going in just for the teaching, you're missing the whole principle. It's about us doing life together. It's about us working together for the purpose of God's kingdom. We are better together. Look at your neighbor. That's one of our values. Tell them we are better together. In Genesis chapter 2, I'll get you to a verse that I want to get to, but I'm, I'm building into it. I'm preaching better than your amen in me this morning. In Genesis chapter 2, Verse 18, God created man 
in chapter 1 and 2, God created man in his image and in his likeness. Y'all have heard that me preach that many times. Okay, if I'm created in the image and the likeness of God, and the scripture says God is what? Love. Then what is man? Love. The very same kind of love that the Father had, the Creator had, Elohim had, now is operating in the earth realm, in the horizontal realm, is the same love of the Father. Very same. He didn't know anything else beyond that at this moment. It's there. And in Genesis chapter 2, God speaks as he creates, puts everything in place, gets Adam settled in to his new way of living, his new normal. And God speaks to him and he says these words. It's not good that man should be alone. So no, wait a minute. He's not talking about singleness for the sake of singleness. To our singles, there may be a greater blessing being single than what you realize. You got singles that want to be married. We got married that wants to be single. <laughs> come on, it's true. And yet, this, come on, yet the scripture says, he that finds a wife or a husband finds a good thing. But the problem is we don't know how to do it. And we don't know what the expectation of the other is. So when God was saying to Adam, I'll give you some things this morning, make you think, push you a little bit. This is what the word said. God said, it's not good that man be alone. Why? Why? So God creates man. Hear me. Man is just a species. Just like when God created the animal kingdom. It's just a species. So when God created man, he made him male and female. Female simply means of him. So out of him, God created this beautiful individual, thank the Lord. Yes. So that, and this is what God said. God looked at Adam and said, Adam... Uh, it's not good that you be alone. First thing I think is God was saying it's really not good for me to be alone. Because I can't express what I really want to do without somebody like me. And so God says it's not good that man should be alone. And the first thing he said about the female part that he brings before the man, she's going to help you. Called her a helpmeet. Didn't call her a perfect 10. That's what some of you are looking for. And we miss it because that's what Hollywood presents to us. But he said, I'm going to make a help meet for you. Now, this actually works both ways. It's got to work both ways. It can't work one-sided. It's a two-way street. So here's the first thing. I want to give you three things that I believe the helpmate was created for. Here's the first thing. First thing, because remember, God is love. That's all he can do. Adam needed something of somebody like himself that he could pour out his love into or upon. He needed that. Now think about this for a moment. It was just him and God. You wouldn't think he would need anybody. 
But it's just him and the Father, him and the Creator. But God said, wait a minute, you need one of your kind. Something that's fashioned of this earth because this is what I want to demonstrate in the earth realm and dwell among you. So he said, Adam, i got to give you somebody that you can love. With agape. Unconditionally. Unconditionally. That you can help meet her needs or his needs. Here's the second one. Second reason. To help meet the need. I got it wrong. I, well, that's right. Just keep that one there. I'll give you the, I got, got him out of order. First one was to help him meet that need. Here's the second reason. To keep him reminded of who he really is. That you're of God. Because you have to think in the foreknowledge of God. God's already seen the failure. And God puts everything in position toward and calls man to be victorious even though he knows it's going to come. So he puts somebody in the place. He puts somebody to help him. I want to remind you who you are. You are a child of God. You are a man of God. The agape of God works and operates in you. We're there to encourage one another in the, in the reality that we belong to God. No matter what we've been through, that ought to thrill you. That somebody's telling you who you really are. And here's the, here's the third reason. Not only does she express who he really is to meet that need, but to help him fulfill the purpose of what he was called to do. Can't do this without you. You ever think about why the enemy works the way he works? To get us so divided, to get us so against each other. Because about the moment momentum begins to change, all the en- uh, begins to roll, all the enemy has to do is get one person a little crossways with everything else and everything falls apart. That's all it takes. I, I remember years ago when I first started pastoring, our church was named Pentecostal Tabernacle of Hope. And after I started pastoring, I made a great decision. I'm going to change the name of this church. Because I didn't want to be identified with Pentecostals in a sense. Now I'm Pentecostal to the bone, spirit field. I, I could run and shout with the best of them. If you've never been in a service where they run the aisles, you ought to hung with us. You talk about pew walkers. We were the best of them. But I didn't want that. Why? Because every church in town was a split off the church over here. I said, I'm not going to live there. We're not going to go that route. We're not going to be identified in that way. I think I told this maybe last week, the week before, when I worked for the power company a number of years ago. When I worked for the power company, we were putting uh, power into a, I went to a church. I was on a line crew, so we went to the church out in the county, and they just built a big family life center. And as we're there putting the power into it, some of the church people were there. Man, they were so excited. And we were looking around the building, this big gymnasium. This is when Family Life Centers just come on the scene. They had a big old commercial kitchen. They had a big gymnasium up at the top. They were real proud of this. We got a, we got a missionaries quarters where our evangelists and our missionaries, when they come in, can come and stay. They were so excited. Three months later, I'm five miles down the road. Had a brand new church building going up. 
And some of the church folks were there. And they're out there having the grandest time. And this is what one of them said. Yeah, we all used to belong to the church down the road. But we just didn't agree with the family life center that was being built. We thought that money ought to go to the missionary. So we decided we were going to, you know, pull out from them and we're going to do our own thing. And I'm sitting there. I'm a young kid. I'm a young pastor. I was working. I was probably 20 years old. And I thought the poor old missionary, he got screwed all the way around. Because it's taken everybody's money to pay for this building now. And that's the way the body of Christ is many times because the enemy knows if I can get you crossways, if I can get you to break the relationship, I can stop the work of the kingdom. So we have to have one another to catch. Hey, wait a minute. This is where we're going. This is our purpose. This is what we're created for. Man was created to express the agape. But instead, the moment he sinned, The moment Adam sinned, that nature of God, in a sense, left him. I'm going to say it like that. Or become invisible. And he takes on a different nature. He takes on the nature of the great deceiver. I want to give you the greatest enemy to love right now. You want to know what it is? The greatest enemy to love in any form, on any level, the greatest enemy to love is selfishness. And selfishness is a lack of consideration for others, concerned chiefly with one's own personal profit and pleasure. It's really, as some would say it, it's really all about me. The moment when we get selfish, everything love begins to walk away because it's not the nature of love. It is an enemy to love. And believe me, I think even a lot of times the church doesn't even realize it. We're in this vertical thing. I I heard the word of the Lord this morning. We're in this vertical thing, demanding of God or asking God to do certain things. And it's no more about God. I love this because it makes me feel good. I'm after this. It's because and There's nothing wrong with that feeling or desiring that. But if I'm not careful, if I'm not careful, I've really made everything. Well, I can't worship with that. I, I can't do it like that. I, I can't. And it really becomes all about me. Can be a very selfish act and we're deceived and, and don't even realize that we're there. Let's go real quickly to the book of John chapter 13. i got to land this jet. John chapter 13. I told you it's going to take months to finish all of this. I usually don't announce this one, but next week, I'd like for you to invite everybody you know. We, you all do that every service, but people that have been wounded, disappointed, broken, gone through divorce, whatever, through life relationships have not been nice to them. I would encourage you to be here. I feel like the Lord spoke to me this morning because that's how it's coming. I don't have these planned a year in advance. When love disappoints, and I believe we'll see some great healing next week if, if you can bring people into that message. So in John chapter 13, 
John is the love chapter of, of the Gospels. Love is mentioned so many times through the book of John. I, I, I think over 50 times it's mentioned through the book of John. I just want to read a few verses from John chapter 13 verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I like that. I'm glad he said that. That he didn't give up and say those guys aren't worth it. But the scripture said he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him, and Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself, and afterwards he poured water into a basin and began began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe, wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Now I want you to catch this picture. How many of you have seen those pictures hanging on people's walls of the Last Supper? I don't know where they got a, a photographer to stage that at. Because we all see them on one side of the table. That's not how it probably was. They were all probably seated real low around the table. And notice what the word said. Jesus' hour has come. He knows he's getting ready to part from this world. He knows that the, he knows the plan and the will of God. He's now going to fulfill all righteousness for you and I. And he knows that the devil has put into the heart of Judas Iscariot to deceive him and deny him. So what does Jesus do? They've been following him now. They acknowledge him as their teacher and as their, as their Lord. And the first thing that Jesus does, he takes off his garment that we could say, I'm going to say it like this. He lays aside his glory at this moment. He laid it aside. And instead of just going into the other room and changing, he picks up a towel, a servant's towel. And the first thing that he does, he wraps himself in that. And then he begins to go around the room with a, with, with a basin of water. And one by one, everybody that was sitting at that table, he began to wash their feet. And wipe their feet dry with his garment. You can put all that on me. You can put on all that on me. And Jesus goes around the table. Even to the one that would deceive him. Even to Judas Iscariot. He knelt down. You know, it would have been real easy. I know who you are, Joker. I know who you are. I know you could. I know what you're getting ready to do. You know, I really believe this, the reason, this is just Zach. I really believe maybe the reason he knelt down to wipe the feet of Judas, he was giving him an opportunity. Judas, you're the worst of the worst. And all you have to do is acknowledge who I really am. That's all you have to do. And everything can change. But Judas didn't. It's just Zach, okay? And he went on to deceive the Lord. And Jesus walked around. Then he says something like this. Verse 14 says, If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, 
you also ought to wash one another. If I, your teacher, if I, your master and Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another. Then let's skip ahead a little bit. Then he comes to verse 30, uh, verse 31. It says, so when, all, when he had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. Notice where he said glory was coming. Glory began when he began to humble himself back here to wash the feet of those that were in need. And then Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. A new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Wait a minute, this isn't an option. He said a new commandment. I think the old commandment may have said something like this. I, I, I should have took time to go back and find it. Uh, Jesus said, or it was either under the law, it would say it like this. We're to love our neighbors as ourselves. That can still be kind of selfish. Jesus pushed it to the next notch. He said, I want you to love them like I've loved you. Because me loving, loving you as I want to says, well, I'll do if you'll do. But Jesus went beyond that. He's pushing the church beyond that. And he gave us a commandment. Did you ever notice something through the, through the word? Remember, we're trying to be horizontal. And everything on the horizontal level of the kingdom, and this is something you and I really need to grab a hold of, it operates off of principles. So sometimes we're operating like this. I pray and I think everything is going to happen. I pray and say, okay, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in the earth. But then Jesus started out in Matthew chapter 6, said something like this. He said, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That's something we Pentecostal charismatic word of faith deliverance people that love, love the move of the Holy Spirit don't like. We don't like living by principle. But that's really what I heard the Spirit of the Lord say a while ago. God said, you know my acts, but you really don't know my ways. And sometimes you're wondering, God, I'm so upset. I've been giving and nothing's happening. Maybe you're not operating the principles of God's word. I'm praying, Lord. I'm praying over this relationship. I'm praying over these kids. I'm praying over my... Maybe we need to learn some principles. All through the scripture, you'll hear words like this. The law of the Lord, the way of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord, the decree of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord. And we just said, boy, that's good, but don't have a clue what it is. Let me. You don't have time to write it down. I don't have time to slow down. Listen, he says this. The law, of, the law of the Lord is simply established standards. Just like, the, just like the signpost that tells me 35. I'd like to change it, but it says there's an established law on this street in order to keep me safe and you safe and everybody blessed on it. I got to remain under established law. The way of the Lord the way of the Lord is predictable attitudes. I got away and so do you. 
But it's really an attitude. God started out with the Beatitudes. He said, let this be your attitude. God has a way about everything that he's going to do. God says love, and you said, I want to knock him out. God says love him. God says forgive him. God says it's an attitude. The statutes of the Lord are an image. It's a fixed image of established principles. The decree of the Lord is the committed purpose from the one that rules. That sent out a decree, a committed purpose. The precepts of the Lord are his divine ideas. The word of the Lord is his intended desire. And the commandment of the Lord is his will enforced. So we got to learn to live by the principles of the kingdom. But we live by eros. I, I want to live by what, I, I just don't feel that. I want to tell you, your feelings can be so deceived. But the word of the Lord never changes. And this is why it's so important for you to get into the word and know the word of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the worship team is taking their place. That don't mean anything. I just told them to take their place. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I love Paul. Paul starts out, he said, we're going to talk about spiritual things now. That's how he starts. Now concerning spiritual gifts. And he talks about the gifts of the Holy Ghost. The nine gifts of the Spirit. Oh, we love talking about that. We love moving in the gifts. We love the words. Of, we love it. We almost chase. We don't realize this, but we almost make prophets and people like that. We can make them psychics. If we're not careful, I'm not downplaying any... But you got to tell them. And a lot of times we're asking them to tell us what we already know. And what we ought to do. So he did. He talks about these gifts. And then he shifts out of that. And he talks about this many-membered body. And how each member is so important. Matter of fact, I think it's verse 28, I believe it is, 27, 28. He says something like this. And we are all members of his body. And members in particular. That means you're very special to the body of God. That means you've been uniquely placed and designed to function within the body of Christ. But then Paul turns it again. And he starts talking about how God has, has set a divine order of how he chooses to move. Boy, we don't like order because I'm free. And we got this idea, the longer we go, the freer we are. And I hear preachers all the time say this. And even you, I believe God can do more in five minutes than we can do in five hours. But we sure love five hours. Because if I've been at church, I, you know... Do you know when we got out of church, it was after midnight? Never talked about what God did. We just was there a long time. I never will forget. You need to think about something when I'm telling you. Years ago, my brother in Paducah, matter of fact, they got the same guest that was there for that revival in town today. Great, great evangelist. And, and it was holidays. It was Thanksgiving. And they had been in revival for like eight weeks. I mean, it was a long revival. Every night church and late services, God was doing great things in that church. And 
it was Thanksgiving and all my family was coming to my mom's house and my little brother doesn't serve the Lord. First thing that happened when we arrived and my brother was telling me all about the, the meeting and everything that was, God was doing. And then my little brother shows up that doesn't know Jesus. And he comes in the door. They hardly say hello to him. And they start to, oh, Jerry, you need to come to our meeting. We've been in revival. We didn't even get out of church after midnight last night. And this preacher is so real. He is just so real. And the more they talked to him, I was watching my brother begin to boil. Because first place, he's not even saved. First place, he's not thinking about hanging out at the church all night. Second place is, he doesn't even know what real is. He's got to discover it. And all of these, and that's how we the church are. And we don't even realize it sometimes. Because sometimes it's our preference that I'm caught in. I'm very selfish of what I like. I'm the same way. But he said, lost my train of thought. Oh, here he said, now he sets an order. Then he said, and God has appointed these in the church. First, the apostles, the prophets, the teacher. After that, miracles. Boy, we could have service without the word. And we left. My pastor didn't even get to preach today. We had miracle, but pastor didn't. I want to tell you something. You're not going to hang. You're not going to live victorious on somebody else's miracle. You better get some word in you, and especially for this hour. Then he talks about gifts of healing, helps, administrations. That means God's got an order to some things. And then Paul goes on. He said, do all these people prophesy? Do all these do miracles? Are all apostles? And of course, we know the answer, no. And Paul speaks this incredible word. But earnestly, I, but earnestly desire the best gift. And I'll show you a more excellent way. And then he goes into chapter 13. And he says something like this. Please hear me. If I have the tongue of men and angels. And though I have knowledge. And I have, I know all mysteries. And he says something incredible. If I have not love. I'm a sounding brass. And a tinkling cymbal. Think about this for a moment we don't know how to love and how to do this agape God said everything we think we know is really falling to the ground they can't hear they can't receive without love because many times I make the gift about me instead of about them that God is really desiring to help them through I want to tell you, if God is giving you a word, it's not to make you jump up and down. God is letting you know, I know where you are. I know the struggle you're in. And I am trying my best. I'm doing what I can do to get you through it. I know where you are. He said, I'm just a sounding brass. And then he goes on to say, if I have all faith, then I can move mountains. But I have not love. I have not love. I'm nothing. You know what will usually happen? I'll probably wind up killing somebody. If I can move a mountain, sometimes you have to understand there's a time. Not everybody's ready to take on everything that you're ready to throw out to them. 
And sometimes we can do more damage to them, hurt to them, because our love is really not pointed. I just know something, and I got to share this with you, and I got the faith to move this, and maybe it's the worst thing that can happen. Well, Pastor, we just got to get them free. Yeah, that's what we want to do. But if they're not willing to stay free, I might be doing them some harm. Because the scripture says if that demon leaves and they don't stay with it, there's going to be seven come back worse than they are. Right? And then he goes on to say, though I give my body and I give all this stuff to the world to do good, it profits me nothing. It profits me nothing if love is not motivated behind it. God's trying to get us to see to operate by principles of love in order to be effective. Sometimes you got to just get to know somebody. We're afraid of that. Well, I don't hang out with sinners. Well, Jesus did. He just didn't participate with them. I, I never will forget. I told you about this man by the name of Baxter years ago. I got two stories. I have to tell them all again. Baxter's wife comes and gets saved. Baxter is just an old country boy. He's a logger. His wife come into our church, got saved. She was a hairdresser. Had her salon there in her house where they lived. I used to go fishing beyond where they lived out of the pond. And, 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 when, and I can't think of what her name was. When she got saved and she said, told me, I said, ask her about her family, her husband. I said, sometime when I'm out there fishing, I'll stop by. So one day I decided when I got done fishing, I'd stop by and say hello, possibly to meet Baxter. And I got to meet her husband. Like I said, just an old country guy, very kind, very nice. But it wasn't the time for me necessarily to jump on him. I just said, hey, your wife's been coming. I just want to stop by and say hello, introduce myself, and, and you know, just get to know you, dude. And so every time I would go to the pond, if I'd come back and see Baxter's truck in the drive, because I'd go right by the house, I'd stop in for a few moments to say hello to Baxter. It wasn't but a short time later, Baxter started coming to the church and Baxter gave her its heart to the Lord. I, I thank the Lord. Sometimes we're real quick. Sometimes you got to realize you just got to be in a relationship. So let me define for you real quickly. I'm just going to throw these out. I got to land my jet because I'm way over my time. Listen, and you, you listen, I want, I want you to understand something. When I say that, I am doing everything I can to follow Holy Spirit. But I also realize for some of us, we could stay all day. But I got others and people coming that won't. And we're trying to unload everything that we can because I, I've got you. You're already in the kingdom. I'm looking for those that don't know Jesus. I'm trying to minister to those that are struggling. And get them to come to knowledge. But let me give you a few things. And this is not the, the whole list. And I'm just going to throw it out. This is what love is. Love is giving. Love is sacrificing. Love is forgiving. Love is compassionate. Love is caring. Love carries. Love carries. He said, casting all your care upon me. For I care for you. Love is. And here's a big one. I'll probably end right here. Pick up next week. Love is covering. 
Scripture says, love covers a multitude of sin. Man, I'm not here to expose you. I'm not here to throw you under the bus and tell everybody how wicked and how crazy you are out of my, out of my, I guess my lack of wisdom. A number, a number of years ago, we had a lady that Miss Judy and I think Diane and some others had been ministering to. This young, young, young lady had some real issues and she struggled with, I, I believe she struggled with drugs and she was in the prostitution. I mean, she was in the everything and they were ministering to her and they were really seeing some real freedom. So one Sunday morning, I thought I'm going to let her share a little bit of her testimony or at least I'll share some of it with, with the body so that everybody will know. See, I'm excited about what Jesus is doing. And so I start saying what so-and-so done and what they, and, and I come to that spot. I said, she even prostituted herself. I didn't realize that I really just brought some shame upon her that I didn't mean to. But I shouldn't have ever said that. If it was going to be said, that should have come from her lips. That should have come from her mouth to share her testimony. But love covers. And he said a multitude of sin. I want to tell you, you don't know maybe who you've been set next to, what their history is like of what their life is like. And sometimes you can come into a room and feel like nobody wants to accept me. Nobody understands where I'm at. But he said, love covers a multitude of sin. And you know what? It's covering you. It's covering you. The grace of God is covering you right now. And it's given you an opportunity It's giving you an opportunity to come and turn from that and give yourself to Him and follow Him so that He can transform your life. See, I can talk about my family. I can talk about what they've been into. But there's some things I don't need to talk about because it wouldn't be good for us, it wouldn't be good for them, and it really wouldn't be good for you if I shared some things. But the word says that love covers. So how do I, how can I love and not be selfish? It takes on a real form of humility. The scripture says, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God. It's acknowledging that every one of us in our flesh, I have it, I have it, I have it, The ability to be selfish is great. Just talk to my wife. It shows up. Talk to my kids. It shows up. Talk to some of you. It shows up. And I constantly have to come back and say, God, I humble myself before you. Help me to love Jesus. Help me to love like you love. To care. And the end of the commandment, Matthew or John was this a new commandment I give you that you love one another even as I love you so shall you love one another and by this shall they all know that you belong to me 
He didn't say by my miracle. He didn't say by my speaking in tongues. He said by my love to all men, to one another. I want you to stand with me. The only way I believe that we can truly love is really the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost working through us. I want to end this service for this moment. If you need to go, this service is officially over right now for you. I love you and I'm so glad you were here. So honored. We won't think bad about you at all if you need to go. I just, I'm just so glad you were here.